Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And I am so excited about this interview. So Pastor Jill Waltz uh, was on the podcast early on. Uh, I think she was one of the first five episodes. So you can go back and listen to that one. I will make sure it's in the show notes uh, so you can check that one out. But just in the two years uh, since she's been on the podcast last, so much has changed, including her, uh, just God calling her to plant a church. And so she shares this journey of God calling her to plant this church and then launching it. And six weeks into the church plant, we go into quarantine. So uh, she, you know, she plants a church. There's a pandemic. She sells her house and has to move. Like there's all this stuff that's happening. Um, and yet God's just doing amazing things. But we really spend, uh, we also spend some time talking about pivoting, uh, just some of the unique things about being a church planter. Uh, and that we talk about parenting in the midst of planting a church or just just parenting in general while you're trying to pastor. Um, and well, we just have some really good conversation about that. So uh, I think you'll enjoy enjoy it. Um, we just talk about this idea of uh, throwing off our armor and being the people that God has created us to be. You know, that some of us are just trying to, uh, we're trying to do ministry in somebody else's armor and it's not going to work. And the faster we figure that out and we just lean into the people that God has created us to be, um, the, the, the better off we'll be. Uh, I don't want to say the more successful we'll be, but we'll definitely be more at peace. Um, we'll definitely be um, happier people, more joyful people if we lean into who it is that we're created to be. So I really think you're going to enjoy this. Share it with a friend. Uh, we are on multiple places now. So Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. If you go to thisishersstory.life, you can listen online. You want to do that way. Uh, or I think there's even a download option. If you go to the website, you can just download it to your phone or to your laptop and listen to it uh, later on that way. So lots of options. And I am going to talk to you more about this uh, virtual retreat that's coming up. Uh, I don't know if this one's going to post before that episode or after. So if it posts after, I guess I'll have to cut it out. Anyway, enjoy the episode. We really need to tell better stories of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and, and really flood the airwaves with something different? Hey, how are you? Good. Did you figure out your virtual background or is that your actual house? Oh, this is my actual house now. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I do have the most fun virtual backgrounds, though. I'm not going to lie. I cannot get my virtual backgrounds to work. I was messing with it for like the last hour. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I have some really fun ones like that I keep for our like our DAB meetings and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> people are always like, what is Jill going to have tonight? <laughs> I'm going to have to get one of those ring lights. I think that's my problem. So, oh yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how to do Instagram live. Every time I get on there, I'm like, oh. what did I do wrong? Yeah. Yeah. That's one that I haven't messed with a whole lot either, to be honest. So. Yeah. Yeah. I figured out like a couple of filters only because my daughter's like, here, mom, like, like, like you're so old mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, let me help you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hey, we had computers when I went to high school. <laughs> right. Hey, I had typewriters <laughs> and overhead projectors. That was a thing. Yeah, we did have that too. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Well, thank you. You're like you were like one of my first uh, podcast, and I'm like I was watching your post the other day, and I'm like, oh man, so much has happened. When and was that? It was two years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, 
you had just started doing like your like evangel I think evangelist was your official title. Okay. Yeah. And you were going to all kinds of crazy places to yeah. do speaking and I started that a while ago. So yeah, it has been some time. So Shoot. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so you've been doing the podcasting for two years? Yeah, it was just two years in August. Wow. I know. Can you believe it? No kidding. I gotta I'm like I, I this year I'm well, this year my goal was just to do 14 episodes, which I'm already at like 16 or 17. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta like just start putting them out one, once a week more, you know, more frequently. Wow. So, cause yeah. I like it's been two years, but this is like episode 49, I think. Wow. So I'm like, man, I gotta get, I gotta get my, my stuff in the game, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's a lot of extra work though, too. Yeah, it is. It, it's like the editing part. Oh yeah. I can just figure out that piece. So I think I just, I think it's time for me to just upgrade a couple pieces of equipment and that will make the editing like so much uh, easier. Okay. But, Is it something you're still having fun with? Oh yeah. Well then yeah, yeah that's good. It's totally it's different. Like, like when we went into lockdown in March, it was kind of like a relief, like to be able to get on and just start kind of share about here I am a small church pastor. Now what do I do? Yeah. And kind of shared a little bit of about the journey and even the frustration being able to talk about it was like therapeutic, I guess. Oh, sure. Yeah. You moved like planning a church and moving and COVID. How many more things you can add? Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, add into their like semi empty nest, like two kids flying the coop at the same time, basically. And yeah. And the, the fact that this move, nothing has gone according to plan, like nothing. I've never had so many like horrible experiences in my life. So it, it, yeah, it just, it's felt like everything we wanted to do, we can't, but there have been so many wonderful things that have happened in the four weeks we've lived here. So, wow. So I'll save that part in case you ask later on about <laughs> the unedited part. <laughs> yeah, all the wonderful stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I have a wonderful bed. Like this has been my saving grace. <laughs> we, we've never had a king bed before. So I have like this king bed and an amazing mattress that there were even horror stories with my mattress. When I tell you like flat tires and furniture due to COVID not coming in. We sold all of our furniture. <laughs> like we hadn't, we've been sitting on dining room chairs until last week when I got one chair. It still feels like it's one of those where you're kind of like left going, okay, well, God, we did this because we felt like it was the right thing to do. So yes. it'd be real nice if you'd show up and help a girl out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so how did you go from evangelist to I'm planning a church. I don't know how much you want to share about that story. <laughs> I mean, I, I know some of the background, like, yeah. but you know, you just got to be as candid as you want sure, or can. Sure. I know that. Well, I just basically, um, I had felt like the Lord had said something to me about nine years ago that was very, very clear. And so I chased that path for eight years. Um, and God just really kept opening door after door after door for me, um, confirming that I was doing what he'd asked me to do. When that dramatically shifted, um, not because of me, but um, because of other people, basically having, a tr having problems with me being a female in ministry, uh, I was left at a crossroads where I was like, okay, well, what do I do? I could go back. I could just stay in evangelism like I was doing. Right and still do, you know, some of the leadership development stuff, yeah. or I could, um, move across the country. I could plant a church somewhere else. I could just take an existing congregation. And so I began to like send out resumes and, uh, all across the country and was talking to different DSs. And finally it just dawned on me one day, I have 20 years of relational capital in this area and with, and I don't mean that with like people who are already in church. I just mean, I have a lot of relational capital. So it made sense to me to do the whole church planting thing here where I have spent my adult life and 
just kind of pursue that a little bit. And we were, again, we just kind of were at this crossroad where we were, where we were like, okay, now what? And that just really made sense to us. So we kind of just jumped in with both feet and um, began to, we just began to rant, to run with it. Like we didn't even, I don't know, there weren't a lot of times when we were like, maybe we should, maybe we should. And it was just kind of like, let's do this. Like there was a conversation I remember having with my husband that he said to me, you know, that it's great if you decide to stay in the evangelism thing. But he said, it seems to me like you're only able to use one of your skill sets, one area of your skill sets. Um, if you, if you do that, and there's this whole other area of you that you're not able to lean into and to use in, in a, super productive kind of way so uh, our super influential kind of way so that's that was it was really in that conversation with him that I was like okay he's right I need to just say I have no clue what these next steps are going to look like none I'm just going to define the big picture and I'm going to trust that God's going to give me the little picture as I go and it's it really has been like that since I believe it was right about, I was going to go look through my time hop thing and see, I believe it was probably right around a year ago, maybe this week that I announced that I was going to be planting a church. And since the moment that I announced that, it's just literally been one adventurous move after another. Like in many ways, it's been so overwhelming and yet it's been what are the greatest adventures of my, of my whole ministry career? So it, it's been fun. Yeah. Now, didn't you, you had like two places that you were trying to decide. I thought I remember that. Like with the church plant or. Yeah. yeah with so the, church plant. the other question, the other place was just anywhere. So it was basically <laughs> decide between doing it here or where do we want to live? Where in the whole world do we want to live? Right. And I was talking to a couple of other DSs who were like, yeah, come plant a church here, come plant a church here. And um, again, it just came, it really came down to, listen, it takes three to five years for a leader to really begin to gain any sort of momentum to, for, for trust to really be um, developed and for change to to really begin to take place it takes a long time and i thought you know what i can i can forego some of that by bringing people around me that i know who are not in church who who i have relational capital with gifted leaders that i've already identified whether it be like having they grew up in my kids ministry way back in the day and they're just not going to church anywhere or or people i've served alongside and um so that's, that was really the, the, the decision point for us was made when we decided, okay, this does make more sense rather than just going and completely starting from scratch. Yeah, that's huge. And I think so many leaders don't re- recognize that three to five year window. And you know, you know, the irony is right. That's the average tenure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So basically right when they're getting ready to have some growth or yeah. see fruit from the race through, like, yeah. oh, I guess this isn't, isn't where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And you know, someone else was telling me this. Uh, somebody else was telling me this. Do you know it takes five years from the time you plant an apple tree before you actually get apples? Oh my goodness. You, See, you, that's you, tough for me because I am, th- th- this decision also fit with my personality because I'm a sprinter by nature and not a marathon thinker. <laughs> you know, uh, my approach to life in general is just like that. And yeah, so to the idea of the idea of sitting and waiting three to five years before, because to be really honest with you, when I think about it, I had been waiting for eight years, right? I had been waiting for that moment to completely jump in and, and to fully lean into my giftedness and into my calling and to chase after this giant dream that God had given to me. And <laughs> the thought of having to just go somewhere and spin my wheels for a while, like, you know, here it was like, okay, I already know, I know the layout, at least of the the land. I, I right. know where to go and I know geographically what fits with where and who goes where and the type of people. And I know community leaders and that saved me a lot of time. And 
I recognize also that that's a real luxury that I've been given that a lot of church planters. So in some ways you could say I cheated as a church planter. (laughs) It's, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't say I cut corners, but it was, it's just the result of many, many years of having invested personally in this area. Yeah, well, the, the three to five year mindset's like, ah, what am I going to do? Well, you know, and we did, because we did similar, because we started our Taekwondo ministry first. And we had about three years in that when we launched. And most of our core group, I mean, a huge chunk of our core group came out of that. Yeah, yes. ministry. So we already had some, and then the same kind of thing. We grew up here, you know, so we, same kind of thing. We had some of that, but when we moved in this neighborhood, we had a lot of ground to break up and rocks to get rid of. And so, man, it took, I would say, four years at least, Mm -hmm. even though we had a group and a core group that came, we had four years just to get the community to trust us. So you had the leap on, you had the jump on the community part. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because also the, the church where I had served for 16 years as children's pastor, you know, is the town that we lived in like I said, from one year after having graduated from Olivet, we moved down here. So I had a lot of not just relational capital, but I also had, um, I had a lot of street cred. Like, <laughs> like I was, um, because of the size of our church in our community at the time, like I was, I, like people already knew that they could trust me and right. knew what kind of leader I was and that I was going to get things done. And so you're exactly right. Like, um, I didn't have to go in and quote unquote prove anything. Yeah. Which made a difference too. It also made a difference in my ability to recruit, um, like a, an original launch team. Like that probably happened far faster than for me than it does for a lot of people. And I know you did, you did a couple of things that not everybody does, um, you got a coach, did you have a coach and a mentor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yep. can you talk a little bit about that process? Cause I don't think people who plant churches really understand that piece. Well, okay. Let me, uh, lay a little groundwork with that and wh- <laughs> how I came, how I came to that mind, that the, the mindset that said, this is what I want to do. I had never dreamed of planting a church ever. And I had begun having a conversation with actually a Wesleyan church that's not too far from here. And the actually the Wesleyan headquarters isn't too far from my house. And I began to have a conversation with a church planter who was, they were interviewing me to come be a campus pastor, one of their campus pastors. And I, it was just in those conversations with them that I began to think, oh, church planting. Hmm, I never thought about this. So then I began to, be, I, I became very excited about the idea And then I started thinking, well, what do we have in the Church of the Nazarene? So I started looking around and discovered that compared to a lot of like church planting networks or denominations, there was, I felt like there was so little. And so when I, I began, when I made the commitment that said, okay, I'm not going to jump ship and go to the Wesleyan church, which was also, you know, a consideration of ours early on, when I decided to stick around, I thought, okay, well then. I've got to find a way to really, really make this practical in my life. And I need to surround myself with people who are far better at this and who are further down the road than I am. So I I started just, I started inserting myself into places and situations and into groups of people that I didn't know. So one of the conversations I ended up having was with a guy from the Kansas district who I was, ha- I was talking to their DS. He wanted me to interview with this one church. And then when I finally said to him, I think I'm going to plant a church, he says, all right, you want to plant a church here? Or, you know, what are you going to do it? I said, I, I'm not sure yet. But so I, it was early on when he said to me, I have someone I want you to talk to. So I began to talk with this guy who that's like, he works for the Kansas district. And he, that is what he does. But, and he was the only person like him that I could find. And he was exciting and he knew his stuff. And so he interviewed me, like I wasn't going to work for him, but he sat down, he had me take, I took a million tests. I did a bunch of different trainings. He did a Skype, um, maybe it was a FaceTime, whatever, some kind of interview with my husband and I, 
and he went through all of the results of my tests and he was like, here's your area of giftedness, Jill. Here's, you have clearly identified that you, through this process, you've clearly identified that you'd make a tremendous church planter. And so my conversation with him, um, just it encouraged me and, and it also equipped me. And then he said to me, you need to find your own coach. So um, I started looking, okay, who, and I only wanted a certain type of coach. I right. wanted someone who, um, who I could relate to, like, just like as a person, I wanted someone again, who, who was leading kind of like at the same level or above me and who was further down the road. So I went to Indianapolis to this conference they were having last year at Shepherd Community. I actually went there to track down, oh, what's her name? Uh, Bob Broadbrooks and Mark, uh, they were the head of the, the grant. They were the grant givers for the church plants that they do once a year. Yeah. They give these grants once a year. So I hightailed it. One, I woke up one morning and realized it was in Indianapolis that day. So I went and got my then seven-year-old out of bed and said, hey, get in the car. We're going to Indianapolis. Pack your school <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so I went down there and just showed up and then started introducing myself to people. And while I was there, I met a, another church planter. And so I just asked her, I was like, she works, she and her husband like co-lead. Um, they were, they planted a church in Texas and then they're co-leading out in Utah, like a church planting network and for their district. And through that conversation, I was like, Hey, I need a coach. You want to be my coach? And so she was like, yes, absolutely. And so it was, it's really through the, my relationship with those two people that I feel like I probably have grown more than about in, in any other um, leadership way in quite some time they've stretched my thinking and encouraged me and you know i've i've discovered that church planting is a different it's a totally different mindset than oh, yeah. traditional ministry and i find it very refreshing people are so giving there's no territorial this is mine and whatever else and i love that you know the, i i genuinely feel like these people want to make me better which right just encourages me to stay in contact with them because I, I believe they push me. And, you know, like the guy out in Kansas, he invites me to the Kansas district. I get on their zoom calls once a month, you know, doing the trainings with all of them. And, um, I talk with, with my coach then once a month too, and just, she holds me accountable for things. And in many ways it might seem to somebody else, well, that's kind of overkill, but I really felt like I was in over my head. Yeah. And I wanted that. I kind of felt like um, more would be better, <laughs> would be better. And it was, it was, I would rather go that direction and back away if I had to, um, rather than being in over my head and not feeling like I had enough reinforcement. They've been integral to my, you know, to the success that we've seen, I think. And you started them pretty much right away, like a year ago? Yeah, yeah. Because so, so long before. Now, your actual launch date was... February 2nd, Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. Yes. <laughs> 2 2 2020. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it'll be etched in my mind forever. So we met for six weeks prior to quarantine. Church planters, like I said a second ago, have a different mindset. But I think in many ways that that, um, that mindset enabled me to keep pushing forward during COVID. Right. Like I didn't have to completely do a 180. Like so many of my colleagues had to do, like, yeah. I just forged on in many ways. I could look at it and say, Oh my goodness, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. But in so many ways, I was also like, no, it's not. This is the most exciting thing ever to happen to me. Like <laughs> talk about being a pioneer. We are forging a brand new trail and we're given the the latitude to make decisions now that we would have never had the latitude, you know, the freedom. People let us make decisions that they wouldn't let us make otherwise. Right. So there was excitement um, in that for us as well. So it, yeah. while it was, it was a crazy time, it's been, it's been really exciting. When I really think about it, it, man, it fires me up. It's, it is so exciting when I think about it. It's the day to day. Sometimes it gets me, you know, like anything else, but it's when I really sit back and take that big picture, look, it's like, oh, whoa, this is just terribly fun. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's so much fun. It's yeah, fun. when we first when we first hit the first couple of weeks, not too bad, other than the fact that we were trying to learn so much. But it was one of those things where, like, we kept putting off the whole let's get on, let's stream our services yeah. because of money. Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden we didn't have anything to spend money on. <laughs> Like, yes, absolutely. You know? So I'm like, well, yes. I guess we can spend money on going online. Yeah. So we've had, uh, because we've canceled so much stuff in our budget, and we've always tried to have like a big chunk of our budget is for the community and outreach. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. But, you know, obviously community stuff got canceled. Right. So yeah, we took a lot of that and we put it into streaming, which we're still trying to get up to speed but it's it's better than it was it's, yeah. it's better than nothing right that's right that's a whole nother ball game in and of itself isn't it yeah. i know it is i know i'm like okay right now we've got a cell phone yes yeah <laughs> hey we've made the iphone 11 camera is pretty stellar so yeah, i know so at least we have a uh a, a, so and it was it's a brand new phone that somebody had donated and for whatever reason they they couldn't return it, couldn't use it, blah, blah, blah. So we have that. And then we're, we're slowly making baby increments on the sound. So Yes. Oh, the sound is, yeah, it's yeah. tough, but that's where it's at. So you had to figure out how you guys did with connecting. Cause you had new people coming like crazy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Again, it's just, it feels surreal to me. So, um, one of the things that I really impressed upon our leadership team from the very beginning, and this is something that my um, church planting mentor had said to me, I, I guess it's one of the leadership principles I've always subscribed to, too, is just that you build your ministry as if you were already five steps down the road. So to look at the, our setup, our systems and stuff, when we first launched, you'd have thought, who do you think you are? But it was like, if we don't build this, if we don't build this solid now, this is just not going to, we, we won't be prepared for the people that the Lord sends us. So we had systems and structures into place for um, next steps, which I think is critical. And so as people began to filter in, first of all, through those six weeks that just leading up to, to COVID time, we began to plug them in instantly and we, um, we gave them areas of responsibility. And so they were serving as greeters and whatever already. And right. then we started, we took our grow plan online. So within just a few weeks, we had our grow plan up and running online. So when somebody comes, when they had attended the service online at 10, then we would say to them, Hey, at 11 o'clock, we're going to be on zoom and pastor Caitlin's going to be leading our grow plan. And if you're new this morning, text the word, whatever, text the word grow, you know, to our number and we'll send you the link. And so to me, the success of that has been just our systems. And trust me, I am not a systems thinker. <laughs> I'm a big picture dreamer person. Like, you know, so the systems thing has, I have had to learn a lot when it comes to that, but it's, it's, and in fact, just on my calendar today, I wrote that that's one of the things I need to spend some time addressing here over the next few weeks is just getting, getting some of those loose ends short up um, as we sort of come out of quarantine and um, we're seeing more and more people come in. So we had uh, people connect with us online then that we'd obviously never met in person who then were leading these, what we called the tiny church project. And so these tiny church projects were our way of um, offering discipleship and like relational connection to people during quarantine. Right. So we said to people, there are very few um, rules and regulations with these groups. We want you to be pastors over these groups of people. And by these groups of people, we mean you find your own people. <laughs> so, so people were inviting neighbors or coworkers or whatever and gathering in small groups of people and then pastoring them. And there were people in, like, I got a message from a tiny church project pastor who said to me, who I'd never met before. I had never met her in person. She says to me, what do we do if we have someone who wants to be baptized? I'm like, what? <laughs> no one. Yeah. You could never have prepared me for how, I guess I'd consider that to be successful because it's so acts two to me. You know, it's right. like, 
the people taking the ownership and the initiative and like they're celebrating the spiritual victories of the people in their lives. And, you know, they're putting the sign, we have these signs made that tiny church projects meet here. And, you know, so they're putting signs up in their yards and they're, they're doing really cool things like that. And it's just made us, it's made us really, really proud. But beyond that, it's made us feel like this is what matters. This is when like, like this is this is how discipleship takes place so we've the evangelism piece i feel like we're already doing really well we're bringing people in but it's that that connection point that's going to change the lives of people and that's what we're we're doing and that's been again just super exciting to me yeah oh that's exciting how many so how many like tiny church projects do, that do you have so at one point when we first started, we had eight. And then right now we're getting ready to kick back off again in two weeks. So we run them in like um, little trimesters, basically. That's so we're going to run from the end of September. So I guess about a week and a half to the end of November. And then we'll take December and part of January off and then start back up again. And I don't know how many we're going to end up launching with at this point. But it's we're trying to start some affinity groups with those. And say to people, hey, are you are you a walker? Um, then your group is you can be walking. You know, are you? We're trying to start some things like tutoring groups and some tiny church projects that are like that. Um, it's you know, I had I have a, a a gal I met with last week who wants to start one for single moms, and then um, we were talking with her about okay, then we will come alongside you and we will provide the childcare. We'll pay people to do childcare during. Your, your your tiny church meeting because these moms need a few minutes. They just need a few minutes. It was cool to me in the conversation I was having yesterday with someone to hear her say, hey, you know, that could be a service project for my tiny church. So we've encouraged them to have their own service projects. Um, we've encouraged them to have block parties, things like that. Now, our newest thing is I, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be offering to buy fire pits for any tiny church, any person who wants to start a tiny church in their neighborhood. So you set that fire pit up and that came as a result of a conversation I was having the other night with the Kansas district people. Um, one of the pastors there was saying he, he's been setting up a fire pit at the end of his driveway and they have like prepackaged s'mores. And so I'm going to be offering that to our people like, Hey, you don't have to know these people. All you have to do is sit and be willing to be friendly. That's the only criteria here. Yeah. So um, have, it's been liberating. Yeah. Do you have like a format for your, like, I know some of these are uh, different kind of affinity groups, but do you have like a format that they use when they gather? No, we don't. And that was one of the other things. When I used the word liberating in a, min a minute ago, it was um, like for us, this whole project has been, we want it to be, we want people to say the whole thing is liberating because we don't want to put, I feel like in church so many times we give people so many rules and regulations that it causes them to want to shy away or they feel unqualified or unable to um, serve in ministry or to lead in ministry, I should say many times. So we have said to people, literally, the only criteria you have is you are technically the pastor of these people. You're pastoring these people. Um, we want you to keep track of them. We want you to pray with them. And then whatever you guys decide to do in your group, however you structure your group is absolutely fine. We have one group who wants to like be really super deep. And so they're digging in and doing major Bible study. And then there was another group who was like, I'll read a devotional, but I don't really feel like I can do much more than that. I'm, I, it makes me feel really nervous. And I'm like, that's fine. And so as a result, I'm so ADD. So like when we started meeting back up, some of these tiny church people that I'd never met before were like serving in our church service on the first week we met again. Like, and this is like, I'm meeting them in person. Like they've been leading. It's just, it's been cool. But yeah, we, we want tiny church projects to be a breath of fresh air to people rather than to feel like a whole other commitment. So like my family's um, tiny church project is called Taco Tuesday. We, um, again, just moved to this new house and things are, I, I've got boxes still everywhere because we're getting ready to do all this construction. I can't unpack a lot of it. Um, so we've just left it. And for the first two weeks we were in here, I was like 
I was pretty moody about it. Like <laughs> I was just very unhappy. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. No, I need to figure out a way to still live my life in here. And if the Lord opened the door for us to move over here for this church and for these people, I'm going to start figuring out a way to do that, even if it makes me feel uncomfortable. So having my house feel like it's a mess and um, just saying to people, hey, I need at six o'clock, you come for tacos and I'm, it's, I'm fixing different types of taco things each week. But it's when they come in the door, I say, welcome to our mess. Um, you have to be gone by eight o'clock. That's the only thing we ask. <laughs> I say, my daughter wants to watch Little House on the Prairie at eight. Like, <laughs> so, but it's just been, it's been really, really great to bring people together around a table with no agenda. We right. literally have no agenda other than getting to know each other. But through those conversations, also, it's enabled us to, to see and understand people and their stories, to hear their stories a little bit, you know, on a deeper level than we would just coming and going on a Sunday morning time or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, to answer you, that was a really long way to answer your question. No, we don't say to them. In fact, during our training, we specifically say, we will not tell you what you have to do. Yeah. You know, you have to stay in contact with us and we will be in contact with you. We have a um, Facebook group and our goal is like once we are starting this next, because this last one was just our very first, our maiden voyage, <laughs> you know, this, this next time our goal is to like drop training in those groups and, and by training, I mean, 10 second bits of wisdom. I, I feel like most of the people that I'm serving are overwhelmed with with life in general. And for me to say to them, I want you to come to a two hour training on a Saturday so I can tell you how to be a tiny church project pastor. Most <laughs> of the people are gonna be like, thanks, but no thanks. You know, right. so we've intentionally just kept it um, very, very laid back. It's very relationally based. Um, and it's also intended to empower other people. So yeah, we're, we're trying on purpose to keep it to where people feel empowered who maybe normally wouldn't feel empowered to lead. And there've been some really great success stories in that department too. And um, again, it's just been one of the really fun things that we've, we've had the privilege of doing through this quarantine time that we're excited to continue as we move on. My, you know, my kids, I tried to include them as much as I could in, you know, Take, take your kid to work days, yep. <laughs> them to see, you know, see this and, and, and see the normalcy of women in ministry too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they definitely have probably a higher threshold of empathy than, you know, the average kid. Right. But like, uh, my husband and my daughter and her best friend, who's also part of our congregation there next week, they're launching a dinner church. Ah, oh, sweet. Yeah. So there, it's for, and it's for young adults. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? And I'm like, you know, I wonder if that had, that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't seen this. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it also normalizes the way that most of us are, all of us are supposed yeah. to live our lives in the world just as followers of Christ. Right. Like we do, we aren't supposed to just show up at church on Sunday mornings and that's the extent of church. Like, yeah, those kids have been able to see church in a totally different, like in a like day-to-day -day life setting. It's, and I like that too. That's cool. Yeah. She, she went with us to a church planting conference last March. And so she's <laughs> there with me and the rest of the staff and having a high old time going to the workshops and the <laughs> general <laughs> sessions. <laughs> Of course, it didn't hurt that we went to Disney World the, like the day before or whatever, too. So, did you go to California? No, we went to um, the Exponential Conference in Orlando. Yeah, that's right. And then it was literally like the next week that everything was locked down. So I know I wanted to go to that because wasn't Sweet speaking at that? Ah, was Len Sweet there? I don't. Who am I thinking of? Maybe it wasn't him. It was been a hot minute. No, it no, maybe was. I love him. Was Hirsch, was Hirsch just speaking? Yes, he was there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Right. And he did a Nazarene um, breakout kind of yeah. thing at the beginning, but um, I missed it. So long story there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that one. <laughs> yeah, because I, I really wanted to go because his book, 
him and Frost did that, The Shaping of Things to Come. And that was the book that really put me over the edge to plant. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's, um, reading his stuff is is so eye-opening and like oh for God. a church planter, I think it's, I think it should be considered like mandatory reading for any church planter. Oh yeah. It's that yeah. good. I agree. I just reordered, I just ordered the, I need to sit down and just reread it, but I ordered the second edition of that book, The Shaping of Things to Come, because mm. they did an updated version at the 10 year anniversary, because I think they're oh. And then he did one, yeah, like 2012, 2013. Okay. And added some different chapters in there and talked about, because he was really pretty big on organic. And yeah. then kind of swung back and they said, you know, I think that we could find a way to do hand in hand, like the, the proclamation church and the organic church yeah. could kind of, like maybe we'd be a more empowering force in this world if we held hands yeah. rather than oppose each other. Oh man, yeah. But that goes against, like the the traditional model that we've always known of church and i think that's what what really is eye-opening when you begin to understand like the practical side of church planting like yeah. the whole mentality behind it and that that's exactly what it is it's a it's a totally different way of living and it's a totally different way of like it's a totally different paradigm it's not at all what we grew up thinking or what we always assumed the church could or should be so yeah, I and that that's one of the things I love about him in particular is his whole mindset is so different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I remember reading that book and getting mad and being like, <laughs> oh, "You're wrong! You're wrong!" <laughs> by the time I get to the end of the book, I hear the spirit going, "No, you're wrong! You're yeah, wrong!" Right? <laughs> like, ah! like, Dink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It. I think there's. Um, there's a great deal of growth that has to take place when you have that traditional um, mindset. I know for me, in, in a traditional church leading as a, a staff person in a traditional church for that many years and having grown up in the Church of the Nazarene and only ever seeing and understanding the concept of church to be one thing, yeah. it, it has blown my mind just over the last year to... Right to really understand how much bigger this whole thing is. And, and I think that's what I find so exciting. And in many ways, it's just so life giving to me in many ways. Also, I feel like the traditional model of trip, if I think right now of going back into that, it's, it's not life giving to me. No. It feels um, constraining and, I don't want to, I don't want to imply that other people's churches are whatever, you know, a, a bad deal, whatever. I don't mean that. I just mean for me right now, having, I feel like having had my eyes open has um, breathed new life into me. And yeah. that's what I want to be about. I want to be about, I want to be the kind of leader who, who develops the church. You know, I don't want to grow my own kingdom. I want to grow God's kingdom. And that's been yeah. what's propelled me forward through this whole process. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So talk to me about you launch six weeks later, you go into what we go into quarantine mm -hmm. and then, and then you buy a, buy a house yep. and you're like your girls, at least one of them graduated, right? Yep. Yep. I had a graduation in the middle of all that. Yeah, we had, um, so we announced in September, I believe it was that we were planting the church in October. We began to, um, gather a launch team and we began meeting um in september we um, i was thinking about this the other day and i'm i'm keep meaning to sit down and do the math but we had some things personally in our lives and like in the life of our family that really were harder than pretty much anything we've ever had to deal with and it was it was pretty much right down to the exact same time that we announced we were launching ch a church um so the timing of that was like, whoa, what? Now what? You know, okay, well, let's just keep pushing forward. Let's keep pushing forward. And so as we did that, things went from bad to worse in that particular situation. And for me as a parent and a wife and mom, you know, just a, a, a woman, I think it was, it, was, it was a very, very, very difficult season for me. It was a difficult season for me as a leader uh, because there was so much turmoil. And as we continued to push on and press forward, you know, we got closer to that February 2nd launch date. 
And we, we thought, okay, we'll just stay. We were only seven or eight miles from where we planted. Um, so we thought we'd just stay there. Throughout quarantine, you know, my husband had kept saying to me, you know, maybe we ought to consider just moving over there. And I'm like, no, I've got my dream house here. I love where we are. It's, I don't, I don't ever want to leave this place. I'm going to have grandkids here. This is amazing. You know? And I kept saying, we're, it's not like we're that far. It's not like we're that far. And so he, he would like, he was hunting houses unbeknownst to me. And so every now and again, he'd find one. And one weekend we were just driving through a neighborhood and, and found one randomly. And so it kind of started the whole process. So in um, June, we made an offer on this house. It, so it was just around Indiana. It was like right after Memorial Day when things began to, like people began to get out. So we didn't look at a, like a bunch of houses. We weren't touring. It wasn't like we were feeling like, oh, we have to move or anything. So we found this place. And again, things in our lives kind of just upended. And so one of our daughters graduates and then so she's preparing to move out. So we're parenting two young adults. And that's um, been a, for us a very eye-opening um, challenge as well. And so in the middle of everything else, then we move and then everything goes wrong with our move. You know, I ordered, so it's random things like, oh, your mattress is on back order due to COVID. So right. when you're in the store, they're like, nope, it's going to, you, I, it's in the warehouse. You're going to have this mattress. So for weeks they're calling and I'm like, listen, this is the day I move. I have to have a bed. So he's like, okay, well, if you drive an hour and a half to our warehouse, there's going to be one that comes in on Friday. So I drive down, drive down there, come back and I'm so excited and I get ready to open. It's one of those mattresses in a box. Right. I open it up and I pop it on this bed frame. It is a queen size mattress <laughs> in a king size box. And I, in that moment, I thought, okay, I might, I might really now like officially lose it. Like it just literally felt like, you know, we had flat tires when we're trying to move the um, transmission or the, um, stick shift, whatever thing went out on my daughter's car. Um, the, yeah, the wrong mattress. Oh, by the way, you're not going to have couches for possibly 16 weeks because that's all on back order due to COVID too. Oh, well, shoot, we just sold all of our furniture. So now what, you know, like, <laughs> so it's been a season of pure chaos. And as I've been, I'm preparing to preach a sermon series in a few weeks on how to survive a shipwreck. And I've been thinking of the imagery of Paul and like when they were all going down on that ship, like I'm picturing that they're grabbing it like planks and just pieces to like to survive. Right. And that's literally how I have felt over these last, over the last 12 months. It's yeah. as exciting as, as things have been, there's been so much turmoil. And so I'm just asking God constantly to meet with me and to calm my mind and to help me have um, an appropriate view of things so that I don't really, um, so I don't become focused on the wrong things. And so much of what I've learned over the last year could be summarized in two words, perspective and gratitude. And with the moment that I start to, um, I call it, get my head up my own hind end <laughs> like <laughs> I have to edit that I don't know <laughs> when that happens um you know I'm tempted to stay there and then it's like no okay let's 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 have a proper perspective and let's practice gratitude and it literally does change everything for me not that the situation has changed I mean I'm sitting in a Girl, I'm sitting in a house that has dirty zebra print carpet out there in my dining <laughs> room. I'm like, I'm dying to pull it up, but I can't because this closing keeps getting pushed back. So, you know, it's, it's again, it's just for me, it's been perspective and gratitude, even in the middle of um, pure chaos and, and much heartache in a lot of ways too. So while things are still really heavy, uh, we continue to push forward, um, believing that God's continuing to do a a great work in in spite of in spite of us in every way are your are your kids doing better they're still um i don't know it's just different now that they're not in the house but yeah. i think that's one of the things too that's that's tough you know i want my kids stories to be their own stories someday yeah. 
But I also feel like as parents in the church, it's tough to talk about, I think, especially when you're a pastor, Mm -hmm. it's very tough to talk about when your kids are going through rotten junk that you never expected your kids to go through. And there's a season of grief. I mean, it's, it's very much a reality when you, when they hand you a baby in the hospital and I mean, whether, you know, my oldest two are adopted. So whether it be through adoption or, or natural means it's, you, you have a vision and a, a picture of this kid's future. And I mean, you don't plan it down to every last detail, of course, but you have a, a picture in your mind of what their futures are going to look like. And when that doesn't happen, it's, um, it's disappointing and it's sad. And when um, kids break your heart in a lot of ways, I think you're, you know, the only thing that we're left with the ability to control is the way we love our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, even as they walk through what it means to, um, to them to live as an adult in this world without mom and dad calling all the shots. And so it's been a, it's been a very, again, exhausting season for us in that area. And I wish that more people would be willing to talk about those things. I think there's, I don't know if it's pride or if it's just embarrassment or it's, you don't want to, I mean, none of us wants to make our kids look bad either. You know, there is an element I, by that I want to live by now that says, Hey, listen, you've been through it with your kids. Let me tell you. Let me just tell you, <laughs> while juggling the whole pastor card, you know, at the same time, and it's not easy. And so in, in many ways, I just sent a text to my husband yesterday. I was at an appointment. I said, you know, my heart's just heavy today. It's, so I still carry that, that heaviness um, as I watch them navigate things that I think could hurt them. And it's a, it's a tough process to, to be in as a mom. So we're learning to um, cling to each other, cling to Jesus, and to give them the space that they need in many ways. And that's hard too, because <laughs> I want to tell them what to do to fix it. <laughs> but that's not how this works either. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when our kids are small, we think potty training is the hardest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. And then we realize the hardest part is when they have to live their own life. Yeah. And they're making decisions that you are like, wait, where did this come from? What? You know, that's, and you want to create a safe place for them to know that they're still loved and, and, and again, just, just safe um, where there's not shame and all of that. And that's, I think it's in many ways, it's hard because I, I think my generation who grew up in church, like, I believe there was a lot of shame that ran the culture and we operated and we lived our lives, not, not with a spoken shame, but with an unspoken air of you will do this, or this is who you are. You know what I mean? Just like A, B, A plus B plus C equals X, Y, Z. You know, if you live your Christian life in this formula, it's going to look like this. And if it doesn't look like this, it's because you did something wrong you know, and I don't want that to be the governing principle of my life or anyone in my family's life. Trusting that they will come out on the other side is, is sometimes exhausting, but it's what you do. There have been seasons as a parent when I've been like, shoot, I don't know how I can continue to pastor. This is tough. I'd like to just wear my mom hat right now and just focus on that. I'd like to just wear my pastor hat and just focus on that. And like you said, you're, when you bring little babies home, you're like, this is this physically so exhausting, but it does not even compare by any stretch to the emotional and mental exhaustion of um, your kids reaching a certain season where they're becoming their own people. Like it's, it's exhausting in a way I've never known exhausting and, and trying to wear those hats at the same time has been overwhelming some days, but it's, it's, it's just the getting up out of bed every day and still choosing to put both hats on, um, knowing that that's where 
the Lord would have me and he's going to be, you know, I just constantly pray, God, fill in the spots where I've dropped the ball on both ends of the spectrum, because I don't know who sold us this, this lie that you could have it all at the same time, because I don't think you can, but yeah, I know whenever the enemy would want to whisper in my ear and say, see, this is why, you know, you shouldn't be a pastor. You have no business being a pastor. Yep. And I would think, no, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not whispering my husband's ear saying, see, this is why you shouldn't do this such and such for a living. This is, why, you know, yes. and I think, what, wait, what if I change my job title to engineer at Ford? Yeah. Would you be whispering that in my ear now? No, yes. it's, it really is very much about, yeah. he wants to keep us from either, you know, he wants to give us this either or. Yeah the best way for us to love our kids is to be obedient to him. Yeah. To God, not Satan, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're exactly right. It's, it's that constant, um, feeling like you have to prove that you're worthy. And again, that's shame-based and I'm not worthy to be a parent, like (laughs) any more than I'm worthy of being grace. Yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a pastor either, but it's, 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 yeah, it's that grace that fills in all of, it's like this, I'm a giant, (laughs) I'm a giant piece of Swiss cheese walking around like (laughs) with all these grace holes, you know, and like, I need him to fill in the spots, but I want to be a safe place where other parents know it's okay to say, Hey, my family's not perfect. We got a whole lot of dirty laundry, but man alive, we are clinging to Jesus. And he is the only thing right now getting us through this this mess and this storm and I'm trusting that um you know we were talking about my husband and I were talking about songs Christian songs that have like bad theology yeah, <laughs> we were talking about, this. Talk about that a lot <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the song not that this principle is um, bad theology but it's I'm gonna see a victory I love the song but most of us think I'm going to see a victory and it's going to look like this, but no, like the way I'm going to see a victory is the way that God is fulfilling his will and purpose in my life and in my world. That's how I'm going to see a victory. And it might look so different than anything I ever thought it would look like with my family included. And that's a bitter pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah, it is. I want a victory on my terms because I know what it should look like, you know, and my way is just a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think when I planted the first couple of years, we were I, like, I'm look. I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks. I'm looking back like 10 years because we're coming up on 10 years and I'm looking back at those first, like literally those pictures from those first few weeks. And I'm like, I am such a different person than I was. Yeah. But also I was trying to plant a church in somebody else's shoes. Like I was wearing somebody else's armor. And I think Mm -hmm. it was probably around year four where I'm like, I need to just be the person that God created me to be. This is the only, this is the only way I can do this. And like all of a sudden everything turned around for us. Like this idea of just being in the community and being part of the community but also being the community was totally freeing. And so I guess part of me is hearing your story and I'm thinking like, God just totally threw you in the deep end and said, no, you have to be still. You cannot be anybody else. You cannot wear anybody else's armor, you know? And, you know, I think, I think there's a, there's a certain season in our lives where we as women, especially are at a, a point where we have to just, we have to make that decision and we have to say, no, this is the skin that I've been given. I'm going to fully, I'm going to fully lean into who I am, not what some book says I'm supposed to be or what some parenting book tells me that I've done or not done well or right or wrong or whatever. Like I have to be me in my own skin and trust that like God's going to be gratified or I'm going to be gratified because I've lived the way that I'm supposed to live I've led the way I'm supposed to lead. I've loved the way I'm supposed to love. And it's, it's when that, when it clicks, you know, I think you're, you spend a lot of your twenties and thirties trying to prove yourself 
you reach a season in your life where you're like, wait a second. No, just like you said, Joanne, I'm not, I'm in the wrong armor. This armor does not look good on me. This armor makes my butt look big. Like <laughs> I need to be, I need to be in my own armor and it's, it's learning to be fully present in my own armor. That's, that's starting to make, it's not, it doesn't come naturally for me. You know, because the world is constantly saying, this is who you should be. Right. Um, and this is what excellence looks like. And I'm, I'm learning to lean in every day into um, what it looks like to be Jill and not someone else. And yeah. it is terribly liberating. So it's a fun season. But it, man, I feel like I'm learning so much about me through all of this too. And after this, you're going to be like, man, I planted a church during COVID. What? what? <laughs> What yes. Do, right. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Times a thousand. Yes. Oh it's so God. very true. You know, our hope is that in the next couple of weeks we bust that 100 mark and it's just been again, just beyond anything. So it's, we're holding on for the, the ride and it's, that's cool. It's, it's a total trust fall, but the, here we are in, in seven months with a pandemic. And we've, I don't even remember, I've lost count now how many um, salvations we've seen and all of that good stuff too. It's just really great stuff is happening. And that makes me know that I can continue on, you know, even in the middle of the tough stuff, I can again, have the proper perspective and practice gratitude and say, oh no, but look what God's doing. Yeah. So many good things. What's been one of your I don't want to say biggest wins, but just share like maybe one or two wins that were just, I mean, you shared a couple, you talked about somebody wanting to baptizing somebody. Yeah. Um, but in this last seven months, I think one of the biggest wins is that our community sees us as present. You know, there are a couple of other um, churches in town that have been here forever but we are the ones they call now when they know when there's a need to be met. And I don't mean even just like a, Hey, this person needs their light bill paid kind of need. It's like, Hey, the community could really use, you know, X, Y, and Z. And is, do you guys have any ideas about this? And so we're like, we're given, we've been given a seat at the table, I feel like. And that to me is a, is a real win. Also, we were started, you know, we've been able to start, the school has loved us well. So we meet in a school. And so during um, quarantine, we obviously weren't meeting in a school, um, but they've been so gracious to say, hey, as soon as school starts back, yeah, you guys can come back. And um, But we've given them time to figure things out on their end. And then we've said, okay, we will make your life as easy as possible. So we've met outside for the last three weeks. We did a a drive-in church and brought in these giant movie screens and whatever else. But when, when I see the school responding to the way that we interact with them, I feel like those are wins. Yeah. When I see people, I do have some people in the church who, who have been previously churched. And when I see them making the shift, the paradigm shift in their mind and the light bulb come on, that's when I feel like we've, we've made a real win also. Oh, yeah. Because when I help them to understand, I'm not building this church for you. We are not creating this church that other church people could come and eat up. Like it's that that's not what we're here for. And when I see them get that, um, that's a real win to me also. And when I see people who have no church background whatsoever, show up excited and who led the discussion one night at one of our tiny churches, just because one of the leaders said, Hey, why don't you lead this? She's like, me? She led the discussion. Like those to me are like big, fat, juicy wins. Like I, it's that kind of stuff really that can, can just keep us going when things really feel like they're falling apart or just not going well. That's so cool been fun having you back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Any last thoughts you want to share with the listeners? 
I don't know. I think I would just go back to what we said a second ago, be you, do you, you know, everything that we read and hear, um, as coming from people of, of authority, um, are from people who are practicing in uh, ministry in way different contexts than we are. And it doesn't make you a failure because you're not leading at the same, you know, the same number of people or whatever else. You know, I want to encourage everyone in ministry, really lean into your own context, understand who you are and together use that, use that as a partnership to advance the kingdom, like knowing who you are, where you are, what works, what doesn't for you. Um, you're not a failure because you're not Andy Stanley and you know, not that like, I'm a huge Andy Stanley fan. Like he's <laughs> got some great things going, but I, I just mean, be comfortable and confident in your own skin. I wish that at 20 years old, someone had told me that I all, the other thing I would also say is this, look for people around you that you can do, that you can intentionally be developing. That's one thing that in hindsight, again, as you know, if I look back to my 20 year old self, I wish that someone had said to me, Hey, let's give you more. You're ready. Let's give you more. You're ready. And I want to be a noticer of other people. I want to look at someone and say, uh, let's, let's do a little mining in you. I see some potential leadership. Can we, can we see what you got? See what you're made of? So be on the lookout constantly. I mean, that's how multiplication in the church works is when we, we identify and spot other leaders and then give them more and more and more. And that's terribly, terribly fun to me. And cheer for each other. I think it's another one too. Like instead of constantly feeling like we're in competition, you know, let's cheer for each other doing what they do in the way that God designed them. Let's celebrate that. Let's say, ah, oh, look at that. You're doing an awesome job. I see you. I notice you. You're, you're in the trenches, but you're doing great. Yeah. Um, let's encourage each other and cheer for each other because no one else is going to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. No one else is. So I hope that we get a couple of other people raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to plant a church. Oh man. Yes. I just can tell you it is, it is so much fun. And you're talking to somebody who's, who's served for many, many years in a traditional church setting. Yeah. There's just, there's so much opportunity and so much life in a, I keep telling people, it's just like when you have a brand new baby you have a brand new baby, everyone around you is excited. And that, and it's that new life that you, you think and you dream about the future and it excites people. And that's what a church plant does. It's, is it's unifying and it's exciting. And so, yeah, I'm with you. We're going to high five some people who say, yes, I want to plant a church. I want to plant a church. Sign me up. Sign me up. You drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> that's what we need. We don't have enough, you know, that's exactly right. Yeah. Man, yeah. Paradigm yeah. says, well, let's just make this one bigger. Of course we have enough churches, but yeah, no, I'm with you. Let's, let's keep, let's keep building them. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, our goal is to launch another one within two and a half years, but I think it'll be sooner. So that's, awesome. we're working that direction too. That's awesome.